not happen for an age. Then What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, and this is episode 45 of the podcast, which means it's five more until we reach the delightful 50, which uh, I really don't know what I'm going to do for. Maybe I should do a celebration. Maybe I should do something, a special podcast. Maybe I should play 50 hours of, uh, of Middle-Earth strategy battle game straight, or something strange like that. But uh, um, uh, email me your ideas, entmootpodcast.gmail.com if you have an idea for the 50. Uh, now, so we're coming up to uh, an exciting tournament. This is probably one of the... Uh, um, one of the longest running, it's certainly one of the longest running tournaments in the uh, uh, in the UK. This is the Scouring of Cheshire, and it's a it's a cool one. It's going to be really good. Um, it's got uh, Steve Crow, who you may know from Top Table Gaming and Battle Streams in Middle Earth, and formerly of the Great British Hobbit League uh, YouTube podcast channel. Um, so uh, Steve Crow, he's amazing. He's a really talented guy. He knows his onions, um, especially about building boards uh, and things during uh, uh, many, many, many years of practice. I, mean, I think he's he's a tradesman by trade um so he knows his knows his stuff and he's he's made some fantastic boards and i'm sure this weekend's boards will no doubt be exactly the same in terms of uh, quality and uh, quantity as well um i think i can't remember the exact number of people going but it's around about the 80 or thereabouts region maybe even be more is it 100 i don't know uh, either way there's lots of people going it's a well attended tournament uh, in stockport in element games uh stockport near manchester uh, so the north of england and um this venue is one of my favourites. Um, Element Games is fantastic. It's got a massive shop, uh, which is great. It's well stocked with Middle Earth stuff, which is uh, even better. Um, and it's got a bar. Really good. It's, it's like a sort of one-stop shop for tournament stuff, which is really cool. So we've got, um, you know, we've got a bar, we've got food, and we've got everything sort of included. Um, and the included lunch this time, um, there, he was, there, was gonna, there was a bit of a debate, actually, around whether lunch was included in your ticket price. And then um, at the last minute, um, it was included, which was really nice because um, that... It's always one of the great things about tournaments that have food included is you don't have to fanny around, um, you know, walking around or going off somewhere to find a sandwich or bring a pack up or whatever. So it's all just included in the ticket price, which is 40 quid. So that's good. Um, and and it's also been postponed many and many times. I mean, this was one of the, uh, the pandemic um, casualties, essentially. I mean, it was um, the, I think, early February um, sorry, I've, I've just realised casualty is probably a way of minimising the pandemic, but you know what I mean. Um, I'll brush over that, but uh, hopefully you don't. Uh, you, you, you get what I'm getting. Um, essentially, it was cancelled multiple times. I think the tickets first went on sale for uh, October 2020 in March 2020. So right uh, after the lockdown started, there was a real appetite for it, and then it got pushed back once, twice, three times, something like that. Um, so so it's exciting that it's finally happening. So with that in mind, we'll get through to, I think, probably many people's favourite part of the podcast. Let's build an army. So I hope you're not getting bored by this. Um, regular listeners will hopefully be aware of my Easterling soft spot. I've been trying to make them work. Um, it's... Uh, <laughs> 
it's strange because when I first started this podcast, I kind of vowed to myself that I would make sure that I try a different army each time and at least give it a bit of rotation, get a bit of kind of freshness uh, to each episode. But I think I've, I've had some good um, comments from people just saying, yeah, I actually like the idea of following the army through and testing it against a variety of different armies to, you know, test its weak spots and things like that. And generally, um, if you want to compete at uh, tournaments, I think playing the same uh, army or thereabouts is probably a good idea so um you know and i'm trying to make them work i'm trying to get a, you know, a positive win loss ratio with my easterlings so with that in mind i'm using 700 points to spend um and the tournament is just a normal scenario pool tournament um, using the match play guide rules for pools and all that gubbins so we'll start with kamal the easterling on a fell beast um he's gonna be my leader High defence and the fell beast, so he's uh, you know pretty uh, easy to jump away from uh, trouble if he's in it. Um, initially, I wasn't a fan of Kamal. I found really difficult to use because he's he's got lower casting values for his magic than um, many of the other uh, ring wraiths, but he's also he's not quite as good as say the witch king at killing stuff he's got two attacks um plus the one on the charge um so he's not he's not a surefire thing and has not got quite enough might to be able to you know spaff it uh, spaff it all in one go to make sure he wins a crucial combat um so with that that in mind, he's, he's tricky to use, but I found it very useful in certain circumstances. For example, to spend four dice on us, four will on a, uh, a compel. He needs fives or whatever, but it's still, you know, if you if you really need to use that um, that spell at some point, it's, it's there. So he's got the tools to be able to do it. And if he wins a combat, which is where he struggles, if he wins a combat... You know, he does the deed. He absolutely smashes whatever he's um, facing. So that's great. Um, and alongside him... We have a pike wall, essentially. We have three warriors with shield, um, three warriors with pike and shield, and three black dragon warriors with pike and shield. So uh, we've got the fight four um, at the back there, and we've got a solid pike block, plus two dragon cult acolytes. So um, I'm increasingly thinking these guys are really, really good. Um, the more, the merrier, I'd say. Uh, if you can, uh, then do um, in Easterlings for me, I think. Um, the two attacks is just so useful with two pikes behind them as well. It's just great. Um, then in Warband 2, so that's and only 11 uh, guys in that warband um second warband amda lord of blades with armored horse he's just so good he's got the banner he's got the multiple attacks on the charge he's just got got everything you want he's got all these special rules uh, his fight six is also really really good um alongside him he's got two easterling warriors with shield three with pike and shield a warrior with a bow two black dragon warriors with pike and shield one cataphract with a war drum and two dragon cult acolytes so bit of a mismatch mi- mishmash there um so we've got only two black dragons with pike and shield there um so you know the only two fight for uh, pikes but that's enough to support the um, the rest of them we've got a few extra pikes there I, maybe this isn't the best combination of uh, things i've got a bow in there i mean i probably could just swap it for a guy with a shield but I don't know. You can still put a, a pike behind him, um, and you know he still does the job. But occasionally having one bow um, can be very useful, just to plink away and try and take away horses and stuff. Uh, then um, the next warband, the final warband, is Eastling War Priest. Um, that that fury is so useful, and so is the um, so is the potential for uh, a blade wrath. Um, which just pop, pops you up to strength six, and you know guarantees Amda can chop through some high defense stuff or kill a hero or whatever um, if he can win the combat. Um, and he's got with him an Eastling warrior with a shield, a warrior with a pike and shield, a warrior with a banner pike and shield, a black dragon warrior with a pike and shield, and then three dragon cult acolytes. 
I'm not sure I've done this warband right. Maybe I could balance it out better. He's only got seven models out of his 12 in there um, compared to the other warbands with 11 each. So maybe if I jiggled around a bit, um, I could perhaps put a bit more in his warband to make it different. But it's fine. I think it'll be okay. There's enough models in there so that, you know, if he gets caught out on a limb or on, he's on the flank or whatever, then, you know, at least they'll hold stuff up for a while. So that's good. Um but maybe not. But the Dragon Cult Acolytes are great, and, you know, there's the bow threat there. So so in total, we've got 32 models. 16 is the breakpoint, so that's good. Um, we've got one bow and seven, seven throwing weapons, which is very good. And you'll notice the absence of the Dragon Knight, and that's the difficult thing to decide, because um, at 800 points, I squeezed a Dragon Knight in there, um, and maybe an extra model or something like that. Um, this time, I've gone mainly focused on the you know the, those those two big heroes and the war priest to buff buff uh, amder up if i need it um i don't know whether it's the perfect combination would a captain be better than the war priest maybe an extra point might but then you lose the fury which can be very useful against certain armies um i don't know i really don't know i, I think i think this is i did um and art and i think you know, you'll have heard um, if you listen to this sort of quest over the the preceding um, episodes, you'll have heard the 600 point combination, the 900 and the 800 or the 797. And I think this one was probably the hardest one to find the balance. The two big heroes is great. I don't think I'd want to do Kamul with two Dragon Knights, for example, because you don't have enough warband slots and the limits on the Dragon Knights having to have black dragons makes it really annoying. Um, and dropping the War Priest for something, it just... You never quite get what you want, um, I find, um, with this uh, this Easterlings, which is maybe why why people struggle with it. I just think building an army with the Easterlings isn't easy because um, you just want to have the tools. You want to have enough models, but you can never quite get enough models. So either way, we've got 32 models there. Um, so 25 models um, plus the seven throwing weapon guys. So not bad, uh, plus the three heroes, of course. Um, so, you know, it, it's looking good. I think I'm getting to know how to use this army. So I reckon... I've got a chance. What I'm looking for in this episode is three wins. That's what I want. I want three wins or maybe two wins and a draw. I just I just want to, you know, not lose more than I win, if that makes sense. I've got six games to play. So if I get two wins and a draw, not I'm not not against that. That's pretty good. I'd be really happy with that. Um three wins and a draw. Um, that's brilliant. Three wins, three losses would be really, really chuffed with that. So, um, and if I maybe if I don't, I'll keep playing with it. We'll see, we'll see. Because um, there's at some point I've just got to, you know, let it go. Maybe it'll resurrect when I, um, the War in the North book comes up. Either way, that is my army. So let's move on now uh, to the part of the podcast where we find out about a riddle in the dark uh, and then later we shall return to go on the adventure and hear from all the folk uh, that we play at Scouring of Cheshire. But first... Riddles in the dark. Yes, that's right. It's Riddles in the Dark Time. So this is where I play a clip from the movies, uh, The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings films, and you have to tell me who speaks next and what they say. This was the clip from the last episode. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. We had some controversy, I must say, um, in previous episodes about the pumpkin. Um, and uh, sorry, guys, 
apologies, but that was the, the correct thing. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, head on back through and see uh, uh, see what I'm talking about. Um, but let's delve into the email inbox. This is entmookpodcast at gmail.com, uh, where people send in answers to the riddle in the dark, plus a variety of other things. So let's uh, start with Richard Un- Unwin. Excuse me. Hi, Harry, he says. Listening to the latest Entmoot and sending in my guest riddle and that before I forget to do it. My initial thought it was it might be a scene from when the White Council went to Dol Gulder, but now I'm thinking it's from a point much earlier in the Hobbit trilogy. Dot, dot, dot. I'll skip out the next bit because I see... Richard, you've got it right. It's as great podcast as ever, I assume, as I'm now going to listen to the rest of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so emailing halfway through, good. Uh, fingers crossed that you're more successful with the Easterlings in this one. Thanks, Richard. Well, thank you very much, Richard. And you got the answer right. Well done. Right, okay, we've got a long email here from Curtis H. Uh, hi, Harry. Long-time listener, first time emailing in. Oh, thanks, Curtis. Um, thanks for getting in touch. Responding to the bit in the latest podcast where you had Adam recommending playing Kamul on a fell beast in a Mordor list, as he has done to great effect. Well, he says, I played Adam at the Lords of the West Midlands a few months back, and it was and was so in awe of his list and its synergies, and how much fun it looked to play, that I've been copying it ever since. Kamul on his Felbeast, with a front line of black Numenorians backed up by Moranans with Spear. While it didn't do me many favours at the London GT, losing four out of six games, I had so much fun and have been persevering, and will be taking a similar list to War in Reading. Yes, yeah, sadly, I can't go to that one. It's uh, Louise's birthday, over half. Um, would recommend giving it a go with the Terror Frontline and the Harbinger of Evil, should you ever need a break from the Easterlings. Shout out to Adam for his inspiration and dedication to coming all the way from Barcelona. Yeah, Adam's, uh, Adam Sirens is a great guy. We've heard from him on the podcast, I believe, before. He's certainly been to some of my tournaments. Keep up the good work on the podcast, he says. Discovered it during lockdown when I first got back into the hobby and encouraged me to get to my first tournament and have since met so many great people and have gotten so much joy out of it. So thank you very much. Good luck at your next tournament, Curtis. Thank you very much, Curtis. He says, I have no idea when the riddle Noelli do. I thought it was maybe from the Siege of Minas Tirith in uh, Return of the King when the Nazgul descends on the city. If so, then Gandalf says, hold them back. Don't give in to fear. Return to your post. Fight. Uh, Curtis, you're not right on that, but you may well be right on the army. I, I, I agree. The the way to play Kamal is probably with Black, Black Numenorians and Moranans with Spear. Having said that, that's not Easterlings. And I want to make Easterlings work because the whole point of this was I love the models. I loved painting them. I want to make them useful on the table because I don't like losing all my games. Um, but either way, I'm having fun. So this is good. Right. Uh, let's move on to the next email. Ivo Bulk kind of feel like i've got your name wrong anyway after getting the correct answer last time i kind of felt obligated to defend my honor and try my hand at this riddle as well yes ivo was the only person to get it correct last time despite the controversy over um whether the guy with a pumpkin um was a reasonable um person to speak next in the clip uh listen back to the last one if you don't get it um this uh thought this this though oh sorry uh, i thought it was this time i thought it was quite a difficult riddle he says but since i am currently knee deep in the new ultra hd 4k blu-ray releases of both lord of the rings and the hobbit i was quite certain where to look for this sample wow that's brilliant i haven't got an ultra hd tv but i do have the blu-rays and they're very cool um he says i was quite certain where to look for the sample the next person who speaks is the same person you hear fighting dot 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 hmm Yes, you're correct. So thanks for the podcast. Really enjoyed it, as always. With kind regards, Ivo. Uh, you are another correct answer. So that's Richard and Ivo getting correct. Nathan Talbot's been in touch. He says, hi, Harry. Fresh from scouring, or less than fresh, but buzzing at least. This month's riddles are struck... Oh, so you've sent this. Oh, this is this is interesting, um, because I'm recording this bit after... Um, 
the uh, after the actual tournament that we're going to talk about. So this is a bit loopy. Um, hopefully you don't um, ruin the, the rest of the episode. But either way, let's plough through. Uh, fresh from scaring or less than fresh, but buzzing at least. This month's riddle struck me as suddenly far more obvious than I thought. This may or may not have been something to do with Saturday Night Frivolity, Harry fishing out a few clues. Oh, you can't do this. Well, this is probably one of the things. Um, if you come to tournaments, you get a few extra clues uh, if you uh, put a drink in me. Um, so there you go. He says, I'd already assumed it was Hobbit era because Nazgul screams and combat noises were different. Yes. Then you suggest it was a theme. So clearly dot 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 era necromancer era the clatter of the blade threw me as he automatically went to the main nazgul scene with the vanquishers but then a slightly more scared grunt reminded me of dot 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 there we go given last month's trickery over the pumpkin i wouldn't put it past you to expect us to provide the necromancer's dialogue too but all i can suggest is menacing mutterings uh, so you do have a uh, uh, the correct answer before that though great to roll dice with you again and the hobby general banter in the car was an ideal bookend to the weekend with nathan yeah we'll hear from nathan later on in the episode because nathan I play against him. I will not. Um, I will not reveal exactly what happens. But Nathan, you get it right. So that is that is three correct answers: Evo, Richard, and Nathan. Let's go to Chris Gross's email though uh, for the pr- uh, episode forty-four. He says, "Hey Harry, finally got around to writing in after keeping up with the podcast for a few years. It's been great to hear your tournament rundowns, and nice to have even featured on the podcast before after being well and truly beaten by your Kirith Ungle list at my first Rings of Men in Nottingham." Sadly, haven't come head to head with you since, but definitely looking forward to our next encounter. Uh, Chris, I'd imagine because you, I think you were fairly fresh uh, at that first po- um, uh, first tournament, I'd imagine now it might be a different story, but we shall see. He said, I'm glad I was in the car on my own for this riddle, as I fear people would think I'd gone mad shouting, Oh, can I? I think I can. Yes, I can reveal it. It's Radagast when I heard it. I think it's the brown wizard recounting his tussle with a twilight ringwraith to Gandalf with the line, I saw him, Gandalf, from out of the darkness. The necromancer has come. I don't, I'm not doing a very good Radagast there, but anyway. Hopefully you haven't caught me out with your tricksy riddles like you have a few others in recent times. Looking forward, hopefully, to catching up with you at the Warhammer event, uh, World event in December. Cheers, Chris. Yes, I will be there at that event, and I will bring you your Patreon dice because uh, if you're a supporter of the podcast, patreon.com slash battlegamesinmiddleearth, you get to win, you get dice, you get some dice. Um, so, Chris, thank you very much. Uh, you are absolutely bang on the money. So was Nathan, so was Evo, so was Richard. Sadly, Kurt is not quite right. But uh, very good, very good. Um, I'll play the clip in a second, because in the meantime, we have um, someone who's got in touch, Dakota Snyder, from somewhere in America, I believe. Um, Dakota says, I have a friend who's insanely good at the game. I've never beat him, and all three or four tournaments he's been to, he's won all of them and gone unbeaten. He recently has been doing Canned and Easterlings. This is exciting. Um, And took this 600-point list. So, Dakota has a list that that they reckon is going to be a winner. So, it looks suspiciously similar to some of my things as well, but sadly... They're winning with them. Um, so this list is leader, Candish King on chariots, Candish Horseman times four, Candish Warrior with bow times two, and Candish Warrior with axe. Um, and then you've got Candish uh, Chief on chariot, five times Candish Horseman. Um, okay. And then Amder on arm- armoured horse with a cataphract, a cataphract with black dragon, and two Eastling Warriors with bow. I feel like this is over the bow limit. Um, maybe I'm wrong. There's two bows plus two more bows. Yeah, there's half bows in this. So this is an illegal list. Um, so I'm not sure whether this should be allowed at tournaments <laughs> uh, because the horsemen don't count towards the bow limit. 
uh, and then there's two there's half half bows in that list so that is that is breaking the rules um so maybe that's why he's going unbeaten um anyway so dakota um that's really interesting it does look like an intriguing list um uh there was a follow-up piece uh email that said uh, the guy's called jordan miller hi jordan um your other list was he uh, was was not allowed um he's going to adepticon one of the larger tournaments in the states located in chicago illinois we shall see what he does there he's bringing another candy sling force um this time is 750 points and it may change he says uh, this one is candish king on chariot with five horsemen two warriors with axe two warriors with bow so similar chieftain on chariot five horsemen two warriors with axe one warrior with bow and then amder on a horse with one warrior two warriors with shield and two warriors with bow um is that over bow limit as well um, maybe not that one three plus six yeah, three six yeah, i think it is actually yeah uh, oh and kamul on felbeast on top of that um yeah and this uh jordan I, I, it's great that you're winning but i'm pretty sure your lists are at least somewhat is it a third or does it round up i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm lying um but yeah, they're definitely the um, the Candish. You've got too many Candish bows by the look of it, because because the the horsemen have bows, but they don't count to the the thing, so you just delete them from the roster, um, essentially in terms of bow limit. So you shouldn't have that many bows um, in the chieftains list. Anyway, uh, interesting. He, he's got a lot of killing power in that list, says uh, Dakota. Um, and the de- uh, there's a debate between whether to take Kamul or not. Well, you've heard um, Kamul's uh, praises being sung already in this podcast. But how, how will they do for the rest of the thing? I don't know. Anyway, um, we've digressed slightly from the uh, riddle in the dark. As we heard, is it Radagast? I think it is. <laughs> Excellent. Well done to everyone. And and there was a slight hint in the sense that uh, it's Necromancer Month, or it was when um, I released the podcast. So it's all tied in nicely with that. So well done to everyone involved uh, who got the answer. Richard, Ivo, Nathan and Chris. And now we've got another one then. Uh, Just tell me who speaks next and what do they say? Tricky one, tricky one. Okay, let's hear that clip again. Ooh, interesting. Let's listen to that riddle again one more time. Although, I will be playing it also at the very end of the podcast. Had some feedback from some people that suggest that actually um, it's really hard to find the riddle in the dark clip um, once you've listened to it, say you're driving or whatever. So I'm going to put it at the end of the podcast every time now. So after the outro music, I'm going to whack the riddle on the end. So let's do that. You'll be able to listen to it, pinpoint it later on. But also, let's have one more listen right now. Well,
Well, there you have it. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Get your emails in now before the uh, before the next podcast is out. I believe the next podcast will probably be sometime in December. So you've got a couple of weeks. Uh, maybe I'll slip out another one in between now and then. But we shall see. Because um, I have actually recorded some other content from uh, some kind of disparate little bits and bobs that I might be able to put together into something. So, uh, But I might save that for the lull between um, sort of uh, the middle of December and the end of well, start of January stuff. Anyway, um, so let's move on and go on our adventure. We're off to the scouring of Cheshire, where I'm taking my Easterling list. We're all very excited about it. Will they win 700 points? We've got the Warfries, we've got Amder, we've got Kamal, we've got 32 models, we've got one bow and seven throwing weapons, we've got pikes, we've got Fight 4, we've got a lot of stuff, but do we have the tools to take it all the way and get the positive win-loss ratio at least balanced. Let's find out. Mr. Robo, where are you off to? I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. So game one at the scouring of Cheshire and uh, of playing first, Josh Devoy. And um, I think this is a, a strange one for me. I don't know whether you remember it, but I, I think my first ever competitive game of SBG was against you at Sutton in Ashfield many, many moons ago. And I was using my Minister of the Army. I'd never used it before. And you taught me the, the value of, uh, of putting your heroes behind the troops because your crossbows tore apart um, Faramir or someone like that. It was a very long time ago. I don't know if you remember it. That must have been a long time ago. No, I don't quite remember It was about one. four years ago or something. The, the Sutton ones can be strange because sometimes they're really busy. Yeah. And those games, you're really tired once you play four or five games in a day. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite easy to forget. But, but I was just a noob. I was a noob then. <laughs> I, I had that you. So you, would ne- you wouldn't remember me because you smashed me and then went on. But either way, uh, game one today, a bit of an interesting matchup. We're playing Assassination. And uh, for your 700 points, you have a Easterling Candish Alliance. So uh, just to, to give me a sort of the headlines of your list, first of all. So I'm running a Candish King on a chariot, a Candish Chieftain on a chariot, four charioteers and then some horsemen, some warriors, along with an Easterling captain, some dragon cult acolytes, and some warriors. Yeah, so there's there's a, lo- a nice mix there, lots of chariots, lots more chariots than uh, I would ever uh, use in, in my Easterling lists when I did them. But um, and we're playing Assassination, and uh, you've got more models than me, so that's something. But it's an interesting one, because we kind of both had a pretty strong idea of who we were trying to assassinate. I was using uh, Amder to try and assassinate your chief, because I figured your chief is going to be charging forward with the chariot and um, you figured I guess that uh, you're going to try and get the priest. The priest was sort of the most vulnerable. I considered Amda for the same reason that you went for the chief because he's mm. the one going to be going in but I didn't really have great answers to actually beat Amda in the combat so I figured hoping to push in with the chariots, break your army down and then find a combat somewhere on the, on the uh, war priest. Mm. But you did a really great job defending, bunching up and really protecting your heroes. Yeah and actually I, I think I was... I, I've, there wasn't a lot of terrain on the board. There's a really evocative Mordor uh, board here. The boards here are absolutely fantastic in general. Um, and this one, it's got lots of sweeping terrain and sort of crags in the middle where there was a, a sort of bottleneck, but not really. Um, so I found, I, and I knew I had to kind of use the terrain to my advantage a bit. And I think on a, terrain, a board with more terrain, it might have been a lot easier for me. 
Yeah, this is probably the most open a board can get realistically. Um, we were drawn on a slightly different board with a lot more terrain before, but uh, we were got moved around a bit, they misplaced tables. It is tough against chariots when you're, the board's freely open, you can move however you want. Mm. I was also very lucky in that I got some good dice rolls, but it's one of those where I had a much stronger sort of break your force, like much stronger strength four hits, yeah. whereas you had a lot more tricks with Kabul and Amda. So we were both playing to that. You were playing to look for a pick on my heroes. I was playing to just try and break your force, basically. Yeah, and, and, and you did break my force before I, uh, I broke you, which uh, made for a really, a really fascinating uh, a sort of to and fro because there were a couple of turns there where I think you had the break on me and um, it could have ended once, I think, and maybe, maybe another time did it. Uh, but either way, there was a couple of turns where you were just slightly ahead and then I managed to crack through that one last Candish Horseman or whatever and drew, uh, drew it level pegging. And then we had both had the special rule to see if we could make it the game count carry on but no heroes had died mm -hmm. so I thought and I had one point I might have left an Amda at that point so I was like yeah I'm gonna go it I'll get the move no matter what and I'll get one more shot at doing it but it, it just felt very difficult to reach around you you did so many clever moves to um, avoid the chief in particular getting um, uh, getting charged by Kamal or Amda for that matter mm -hmm. uh, tell me about uh, what happened to your, the chief's chariot oh so the chief Got a bit of a party early on, enjoyed a charge, and then found himself a little out there, mm. pinned in with the fighting. So I chose to dismount the chieftain, yeah. sort of get him off his chariot. It seems like a, a bit of a waste because you paid so many points for it. But sometimes the game dictates that you kind of have to do these things. It's yeah. so many victory points on the model that you just give up the chariot. You accept that you're losing some points in your army, you're losing some hitting power to get him out. Um, but it was the, it, it's such a hard game to play because there's so many warriors and we know exactly what the VPs are. Yeah. Especially, it was mostly obvious who was going for what. Both players are playing very carefully to defend their heroes. It's hard for either to reach and get the other one. Absolutely, and I think that was a fantastic move. I didn't see it coming, um, but then you'd also shielded him away from Amdo uh, quite well and there wasn't enough space to land with Kamul. So I was relying on, I think, two acolytes and two sets of pikes behind him. And I'd even cast a blade wrath on one of the acolytes one turn. And that, if that combat had almost gone my way... Him. Yeah, very almost got him. It, it was, was down to a banner reroll that you yeah, got the six, wasn't it? Too high into a banner reroll and a six, which yeah. is... I mean, it's how the game goes. It's what makes it exciting, really, and really fun to play. Really fun, really close game. Game. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and I, I particularly enjoyed that moment because I, I I didn't expect the uh, dismount, but it, as soon as you did it, I thought, ah, oh, that's that's such a good move. It pushed him back a bit further. Kamal had one chance to hop in. Yeah, um, you'd left a little gap. I made a small positioning mistake that allowed a. He was up against the terrain that you were using to sort of cut my army in yeah. half, and I figured that he couldn't jump there, but I didn't really measure it out. Yeah. Turns out that he could jump there, but it was a risky jump because obviously, if you win and kill, you get your assassination. Yeah. But if you fail, he is your leader. Yeah. And then it's, it's just a 50-50 almost. On that that was a concern. And I was already running low on um, Will because I'd spent a lot. Uh, I'd done a lot of two dice um, commands and uh, transfixes, which worked like, every time. It was effective. fantastic. Very effective magic. When you compel chariots and they're running over their own guys, it's terrifying, it, really. It was great. And particularly the king because you'll, it pushed your leader out and he only had one combat, really. Yeah. So there's, there's some really good moves there. But um, I, the, this move with the thing, I had to spend my last point of might to get a heroic combat, mm -hmm. which was against uh, a horse and I only had the two, three dice or whatever yeah, it was. Not a guaranteed win at all. No, really. not, so it's un, under 50% uh, chance of actually winning that combat. Then a fly and land in a combat against 
Uh, I think it was the chief and something else. Yeah. And I didn't. I, I would have had to spend the will as well to get the fight six. There's no more might to it. So if you roll a five, you just it's probably doomed. You yeah. have to roll the six in that situation. Yeah. So, so it, it, it felt, was a very scary play to make. It, it would it would have been interesting if I'd have done it. it Maybe in a former life I probably would have done it. Um, but now when I was looking, thinking about the maths and thinking, no, my king's go, my Kamal's going to be out, and then I'd lose it. So instead, I kind of played more cautiously, and it ended on the draw because yeah. you decided not to carry on the game in the last turn. Yeah, one-one draw. You extended it for a turn with yeah. your rule. I chose not to, mostly because you just had more powerful heroes than I was, than I had, and my heroes are a lot more likely to run away mm. with your harbinger. So. Although it would have been fun to push for an aggressive win in the last turn, I really think it didn't favour me. Yeah, so especially especially the chief with courage four down to uh, three, and then you've only got uh, you didn't have any will left, did you? So yeah. if he ran, then that would have been game so over. Five or seven VP swing, it's huge. And I think because it's the first game of the tournament, maybe playing a bit more cautiously, both of us, because we were kind of getting a feel for things. Don't want to throw away a twelve nil too early. Absolutely. Well, Josh, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, it was fascinating to come against um, the Eastling Cand Alliance, and I think your your alliance was an interesting one. It worked really well uh, having the the extra pikes for those um, the Candish uh, works really nicely and and the charioteers are, are nasty I mean this tournament generally um, we'll, we'll talk about it throughout the course of the, the podcast there's so much terrain on so many of these boards I wonder how you're going to fare um, it's, it's an interesting one it's good for the heroes because you can wedge them between terrain um, and they're very hard to shift I'm sure you know on chariots mm-hmm. chariots are unbelievably tough probably their strongest thing is how tough they are it's not ideal for the warrior chariot but it's, it's going to depend a lot to be honest um, some of the boards I'm going to wish I had more pikemen more ph- phalanxes but we'll see how it goes basically I'm sure there's some people a lot of people are going to have quite a few problems Absolutely. mostly I'm scared of hitting one of those te- terrain dense boards against those vanquishers the necromancers the new oh. ones that we're seeing everywhere that's quite a scary one isn't it scary prospect well yeah. we'll follow the journey throughout the uh, course of the game and, and maybe we'll probably be drawn against each other in the first uh, in the next game and have to swap things around but a 1-1 one, one draw to start things off it's not exactly it doesn't feel very triumphant but <laughs> hey at least it's not a loss exactly exactly best of luck for the rest of the tournament cheers on you so game number two uh, here at the Scouring of Cheshire and playing against Ben uh, Ben now uh, first of all we're playing Seize the Prize and you have an Angmar force and just give us a general uh, overview of your list uh, and talk me through um, what you thought when you face up against something with a drum right well the first noticeable thing about Angmar is they're not exactly mobile but we have some wargs so we just move straight up with them sadly the drum made it so you had the movement advantage but make do uh, so we charge forward with the entire army because that is really our only option in this scenario and we got there no, nobody picked up the objective in the first turn, so it was still anyone's game nicely. Next turn, sadly, you did manage to dig up the objective, but that is all good. Yeah, and that, so, yeah. so that was kind of the initial sort of to and fro. So you've got um, the Witch King. He's slightly lower on uh, will than perhaps normally. Is it right, 314 or 312? Uh, 13 will. Um, I feel 13's a nice, okay number for him because I'm... I'm not too aggressive with him combat-wise, just because I'd rather he be more utilised for magic, but mm. the crown is a must, just because it's good for magic and combat anyway. Absolutely, and you've got Birdo and a Shade as yes. well, and about, what, 40 models, wasn't it? Uh, got 43 models in total. Most yeah. of them are just trash-tier orcs, but, as you said, we've got a lovely Witch King. Got the Shade, which makes the orcs actually not as trash as they appear. Birdo is just generally a beast. I prefer him over Gullivar, just because... 
He feels like the safer option purely because he stays near the shade normally and he is defence six, so he's not just going to get shot by bows. Yeah, and he's sort of he's, he's a kind of good anchor for your army. Uh, and then you've got a couple of uh, Barrow White and a couple of Spectres as well yeah. to do some shenanigans with. And w- when when the, the drum marched forward, I, I dismounted and tried to uh, seize the prize in the first turn and, and, and then subsequently got it the next turn. What, what was your plan? Because... Um, you, you let me off with a heroic move in that early turn. Yeah, so in for letting you off in the heroic move, it's more so because I am very limited on might being and mark. Because it's only on Birder and it's only on the Witch King. Birder really wants it to make sure he wins fights because he, does, he needs to do work because the rest of the army won't kill. I uh, probably shouldn't have let you had it as such, but I felt I would still have another turn to deal with it due to my magic superiority by having a Barrowite and the um, uh, Witch King. Uh, sadly, uh, there was a bit of a, shall we say, mistargeting because I decided to immobilise Amder rather than the guy with the objective. And as a result, the objective went to Kamul, who has a nice flying fell beast. Yeah, absolutely. So in that second turn, um, once I'd picked up the objective, uh, it's the following turn after the objective, actually, um, I just moved him into Kamul and Kamul just flew straight away. Amder did some shenanigans trying to hold, hold things in place. But essentially, from then on, it was a question of, Kamal and the drummer uh, kind of doing a run for it and trying to circle around and get off the board edge. Loads and loads of turns later of just sort of churning through stuff uh, and a lot of magic, a lot of magic in this game, a lot of resistance on my behalf. Um, and Kamal narrowly managed to avoid almost all of them. I think I, think I did a good job, if I don't mind saying so, of, of choosing the right amount of dice to resist the spells because you threw like, things like... a paralyze off went off twice against uh, Kamal and I, I dumped like four will on it each time and um, I knew that I, I, I sh- uh, that gives me the chance of getting that six each time and getting something back as well so I did narrowly uh, avoid those uh, those things and I had to spend a point of might once to resist the spells but crucially it kept him on the felbies which as you say meant I could flap away and with the drum he's got a 17 inch move so he managed to get away but there was a lot of uh, in the last couple of turns the witch king had managed to oodle his way around a bit of terrain and and sort of cut me off you had a a 12 inch threat range over the corner of the board so I had to either cower in the back of my board with the objective or make a break for it and hope I uh, hope you lost priority but I never did because I was too cowardly (laughs) exactly and as you said regarding the magic um, I did have magic superiority but just purely because the power right was there and I agree with you you absolutely had to stop that paralyze going off because paralyze is a nasty spell to have it happen to a fell beast, I automatically get a free 50 points. Yeah. And then you've got Camor just sitting on the floor. He will die in the next turn, especially with Birder being within six inches. Yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty hairy moment. But from from sort of once the the uh, the prize sort of flapped away, um, it was a question of breaking your army. Uh, and because I just I was so scared that I'd lose a couple of priorities in a row, not have the heroic um, stats in the right place. Uh, Amder in particular um, was stuck in the middle for a bit, and um, so. I I, I kind of had to move my whole army and, and run away from the shade and everything like that and actually really helped me because I got away from the shade, pinned the shade down in one turn and then moved my whole army away to a slightly weaker flank which had sort of vaguely had a chance at uh, chasing down Kamul earlier on and, and I think that really helped me because I could collapse in on that side and really capitalise on, on some of the weaker things and, and not be able to uh, and be in the shade range so I, I think that really worked out also gave me Amder with his one or I think it was just one point I might at that point uh, in place so I could counter a Witch King move. Crucially won one roll off that, that was essential um, with both, we both had one point of might left. If I won 
Uh, it means I could pin the Witch King down, so I had Fury and I had stuff uh, uh, there in the right places. If you'd have won, you'd have been able to do a 10-inch move, 12-inch threat range, because uh, I'd miscalculated you'd backed away after losing the combat uh, with an acolyte which meant he could back away and close that one inch gap that gave him the threat range because I'd done the maths before and not accounted for the backing away so really smart but I won that roll off in the end anyway and pinned him down so it was there were so many twos and throws and I think at one point you were thinking oh no I've lost this completely and I said I don't think you have no yeah I said I do I have a tendency to get in my own head as it's been said before but absolutely correct especially with what you did as you said moving your entire army back to the right hand side of the board especially because the majority probably 60-70% of my force was on the other side and I do not have the mobility in this force so it will take me turn two turns to actually get over there and uh, as you said it completely locks down the Witch King's ability to then threaten Kamal it stops Kamal he stops Kamal coming forward but you have the objective. That's all you need at this yeah. point to win the game. Uh, um, yeah, and, and, and it, it was down... But there was a potential for you breaking me and scoring the draw, but the Easterlings just don't die. All right, so Orcs, uh, you've got looking for sixes most of the time. You don't have many traps because you have a pretty similar number of models uh, or certainly in the right places. So uh, in the end, it was me who broke you by one model. Literally, I think yeah, I had absolutely. one model in the last turn and then I ended up turning a 3-0 victory uh, because of the seize the prize objective into a 6-0 victory in basically the last turn which was which is close but um, it was it was well fought Ben and, and as I say you know uh, despite the fact that I had the prize early on you really really made me fight for it and c- gave me a lot to think about especially with the magic exactly saying so, uh, and as you said the shades in, in this list makes the orcs actually good the only problem is as you said Eastlings defense 6 orcs do not kill defense 6 models the ones with the two handed weapons did a good decent job uh, but other than that I was solely relying on Birder to a degree maybe the Spectres because they go on Courage but Orcs just don't break lines unfortunately yeah. and, and Birder had stalled a bit against Amder early on and I, t- I took a couple of wounds off him and then ran away <laughs> so I didn't get him again but either way then uh, great game we've got uh, another sort of few minutes before the next round this went straight uh, right to the clock um, and I, I don't think I don't know what the objectives end. It would have been 25% or something. But either way, uh, it was a cracking game, Ben. And uh, well done. Good luck with the rest of them. Uh, Good luck to you. And uh, have a good tournament. Cheers. So it's game three and the end of day one here at the scouring of Cheshire. And um, I've got, uh, as company, as an opponent, um, my car buddy, Nathan Talbot. Hello. Hello, Harry. Hello. And so, um, first of all... uh, we didn't want this to be too much of a kicking either way because we're concerned about uh, having to spend a whole car journey on the way home. Um, when, when you saw uh, what I had, what did you think about your chances? And just start with your army list. What, what have you bought? So I've got a single warband Barador list with uh, Sauron, some orcs, wild riders and black Numenorians and a, and a troll drummer. Yeah, a troll drummer. It's a big yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think at first, I, I didn't know, when I saw we matched up, I've played your army before and I thought, yeah, we'll see how we go. And then I, well, you found out the scenario before I did. Yeah. And you used some colourful language in, in, your, in your revealing of it. So yeah. At that point <laughs> I, I think, thought, I can't, I think yeah. I said, you cheesy bastard, I think. <laughs> Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. It, it was less than polite, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it was less than polite. It was, it's Contest of Champions yeah. with bloody Sauron. And I thought, oh, this is it. And I, I thought I'd drawn a, drawn a dud there. There's, there's, I thought there was absolutely no way I could win this. Yeah, I think that that, that certainly from from on, on paper that's ha- what should have happened, um, and it was, I mean, it, well, it, well, that isn't how it transpired, was it? It, was, it went a bit weird. Um, it well. was a bit weird. So um, we so 
Okay, you know, zero, uh, what is it? Certainty of death, zero chance of success. What are we waiting for? So that's kind of what I did. So I deployed um, Kamal at the maximum distance away from um, Sauron as I possibly could. And then I put Amdo in the middle and um, did a little uh, block, I did a block of stuff in there. But the, I think the coup de grace really for my deployment was the war priest's warband, uh, including the three acolytes on the uh, left-hand side flank as the way I was looking at it. Because there's this section of terrain in the middle. There, so we were almost on, slap bang on a terrain and there's like a wall behind me um, so not loads of terrain, but there's definitely a, a sort of arena of death in the middle. Um, so I thought, right, okay, if I get my guys around the side um, with the acolytes and all that sort of stuff, then maybe I can flank them and get some kills. And my hope was to die based on your troops rather than on Sauron. That was my first thought. Um, and then Kamal jumped over the lines um, in the second turn, because the first turn I managed to transfix you. Yes. Uh, no, did I transfix you? Uh, no, no, you no, used I the mic. Yeah. yeah, but I sent Amder in and he, he, he charged and all that sort of stuff. So, um, <clears throat> first turn, Kamal was fine. So he jumped over the lines and uh, picked off some wags. Uh, so he got three kills just on those wags, which is great because one of them dismounted and I got the wag and all that. Um, and then, as, as it, so that meant that I was really far away from Sauron because I knew that Kamul against Sauron is a fight that I'm going to lose, basically, yeah. isn't it? Oh, almost certainly, yeah. yeah. And I think swooping over, being able to fly was massive because you, you, yeah, you're out of reach and my own troops were in the way at that point. And I, I, I can't move them so well, yeah. in combat, anyways. And then the lack of might elsewhere in the list, because it's just on Sauron, mm-hmm. meant that you didn't have anywhere else you could call move. So Sauron always had to move first if you did call a move. So I don't think you really did, did you? Not really. I think, I think towards right towards the end, when, when, I, when I need to rack up some more kills to try and uh, cut the deficit a little bit. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, th- those three might are so precious for, um, for, for for keeping him alive. So. Absolutely, yeah. I, I and I think what my my kind of my saving grace here was that Amda, um, in the two turns that he charged Sauron, he struck and he got up to the full ten. Yep. And uh, you declined to strike, which I think is the right right move. I mean, you, you more often than not, you, you, you're going to be fine in that situation. He took a wound off him, but it didn't really matter in the uh, scheme of things. But it held Sauron up for two turns, yep. which I, it's crucial because four, di- four dice uh, killing stuff, you'd, you'd be taking out two or three models every turn. But instead, I'd halved that. And in the meantime, Kamal called heroic combats and uh, made up to about sort of six or seven models and then picked up a couple more in the remaining turns. But... Then my army swooped around, and at one point, you did a tally of your models. You, you counted well, one, two, three, four, five. And I was like, yeah, you, you can't break, remember? Yeah, because um, it, it, it looked like, because you got the very early kills with Kamul, I, I thought your plan was to get, get a couple of kills, any, and then quarter me, and end the game. Yeah. And it looked like that was your plan, and it wasn't until I said to you, one more model, that clearly it dawned on you that, that your plan was well you didn't have a plan um yeah i I had the wrong plan because i thought the end conditions were broken and rolling on a one or two it ends but it wasn't it's 25 percent. so suddenly from going from thinking i've got to kill myself and do all sorts of shenanigans even have a hope in hell of winning i realized oh actually all i need to do is kill one numenorian and then i've won the game yeah pretty much um yeah you got very close i think the um there were a couple of points when um, yeah, that looked like your plan and that, that seemed certain um, especially because Kamal had gone for the early kills and he had, he had hit hard really fast and um, that looked like what was happening um, and then it kind of ground to a halt in the middle with nothing ha- nothing going on with the, with the main combats um, Kamal swooping around doing what he needed to do and that was that, was that wasn't it, it was, yeah. uh, 
Well, it, it's, it worked out in the end as a 3-0 victory to me because I've got nine kills on the tally and Saren has just five, um, which is because largely because you spaffed a couple of rolls. I mean, I think uh, you did the, the swing, of, swing of your mace yes. uh, against four models or something like that and yeah. proceeded to roll how many ones? Uh, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, four ones. <laughs> it was brutal. It was horrible. Uh, at that point, I was significantly further behind, but looking at the numbers now, that would have been massive to swing it back around because I think at that point it would it would free up the space as well for Sauron to potentially get maybe not at Kamal but at least into more warriors for the next turn when I killed I killed three more in the final turn yeah. as well um, that would that would have swung things a little bit more um, yeah I think you'd called heroic combat and I don't think you'd, you'd, it wasn't all ones I think you killed one of the four people you needed to so you'd killed one and if you'd have killed even one of the other guys you're actually fighting um, you would have moved on and, and had another chance to kill some more. So yeah, that would have been one, plus potentially another two or three if you'd gotten the right, uh, right charge. And that would have pushed you up to eight kills rather than the, uh, the five that you got, which is very, very close, chasing my tail. And that, that could have made all the difference. Um, maybe if you'd have gotten a heroic move off or whatever. But in the end, it, it actually relied down purely to the final move, which was two um, pikes against a Numenorian, uh, managing to get, kill a black Numenorian and ending the game on, on the roll of a six. Um, so it was, it was a very strange game because it really felt like I, I, I thought this is going to be a car crash. And then uh, when you revealed the end conditions, which I should have read, um, then uh, it suddenly turned out to be not so bad in the end at all. So, Nathan, um, I thought it was an a, a easy win for you, but it turns out it was, it was a slight victory for me. Yes, it was. I mean, I, I think... Um, it, Maybe I'm dizzy at the end of the day. Uh, I'm on the top table, top-ish tables. I, I was on table one last game, and it's quite terrifying um, up in nosebleeds. And yeah, maybe the pressure got to me. I think certainly the experience of, of you getting come all over was, was massive um, versus me using Sauron for very, very rarely. Um, yeah, the, the, the flying the flying fell beast is, is essential for this sort of thing. I mean, having having a flying monster doing, um, doing nasties, and just like you said earlier, just putting behind the troops where you couldn't get to him was key. Um, uh, I also think perhaps you could have used different magic. If you'd have gone for a chill soul in the early first turns, or a, even an immobilize on Kamal, and I think you used instill fear, um, maybe you'd have maybe you'd have gotten um, Kamal, held Kamal in place rather than um, rather than everything else. But you know, if some butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. Exactly. Yeah, I think I, my last two games in Still Fear has been really good fun. Or orcs running away, but these things have that slight courage boost. The guys at the back block things up. And yeah, I think I, I was I was surprised you hadn't gone for a sap wheel on Sauron to be honest at the start. Um, well, he's got a free one every turn, so whatever happens, he's always going to get a four plus chill soul on me. So yeah, 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 yeah. Or a yeah. two plus immobilize, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, two, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, wow, well, no, no point. I'll immobilize you, and then you have to spend will and might to resist. So yeah, I, I think yeah, the, the magic usage was was stronger on your side. I think yeah, perhaps the instill fear had it gone better in the first turn would have spread your guys out a bit more. Mm. It may have even cleared a path to come all at that point. Maybe not. Can't I think remember. it would have been close. Yeah, there, yeah, there was yeah. an annoying bit of terrain. I think maybe if you'd waited a turn and done it, yeah. it might have spread things out a bit more uh, because. If, he, if he'd have worked his way into the gap in the centre, yeah. might have pushed my guys further out of the gap rather than just pushing them into the sort of terrain that was uh, that was holding them in that gap. Either way, Nathan, um, it's a pleasure. Uh, it was a good, fun game, and there was lots of ups and downs like a roller coaster. Um, and hopefully, the drive home won't be too awkward. No, I think we'll be okay. I, I think a, a narrow victory for the driver is uh, is acceptable. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll go for that. Well, we'll count it as petrol money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs>
So game number four on day number two of the scouring of Cheshire. And I've got Andrew Stackhouse with me, who is uh, a Minas Tirith player. And um, we're playing hold ground. So it's maelstrom of battle, which uh, hmm, we'll talk about in a second. But first, Andrew, um, just, just give us a summary of your list uh, and well, what influenced your choices, I suppose. So uh, in the past, I've gone with Minas Tirith. I haven't really brought um, any bows. So this time I brought some rangers. So I've got my drill followed with eight rangers and a couple of Minas Tirith to fill out the warband. I've got um, Boromir, Banner on horse. Um, he's brought 10 of his friends along. So a good mounted force. And then I've got Irulas on foot with some Citadel Guard and some uh, Minas Tirith with a banner as well. Yeah, Guard of the Fountain Court, aren't they? Sorry, rather yeah. than... Yeah, uh, and you've got Knights, the, the, the friends that are joining Boromir as 10... Knights, which is it's just a scary prospect, and you've got quite a lot of models as well. What was it, thirty-seven or? Yeah, thirty-six, and um, definitely the cab helps with mobility, and I think that's helped out in this game, which we'll talk about. We'll in a get through. So first of all, um, Maelstrom Battle. So I won the um, priority in the first turn, which nobody wants in Maelstrom of Battle, um, and rolled a six to deploy my war priest. I deployed them in order of might, and so he goes uh, onto a board edge and wanders on and uh, looks very happy for himself. And then Kamal rolls a two. And I agonised over it, but I decided I'm going to roll a, a, a mite it down to the one rather than um, let uh, Andrew put him somewhere in the, uh, the battlefield that I didn't like. And then Amda rolled a one as well. So it, it, it wasn't a great start because I'm down on might. You've got like double the might that I've got. Uh, and, and I'm left with just one warband on the table. And you came on with Madril and the gang uh, with all their reinforcement rolls. Absolutely. So um, obviously get my drill down first and then I was thinking I'll put him right next to the first warband and then with the subsequent rolls it just made sense to put everything around that first warband, get them trapped and hopefully get them out of the game straight away before yeah. they're effective. And, and it, it, it pretty much worked. I mean, you've got Boromir, Boromir's warband there, uh, Irilis's warband there and Madril's warband there and turn two, it was, it was a roll-off so for the might, uh, for both uh, called moves, to, I wanted to try and mute your charge. Uh, I, I think you won that roll off, but then yeah. proceeded to just mop them up pretty much. It took a couple of turns though, and that yeah. was quite important. Absolutely, your guys held up, and that um, kept me away from the middle of the ground. So you were able to at least, with your remaining two warbounds, claim that that middle. And I think that was an important part of the game. But um, they they held, they stood their ground, but they got slaughtered in the end, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, they did all, all die a, a miserable death. Um, and then you sent your your cavalry force round the corner. So they, if you picture it, I, we were, I deployed my stuff all on the. Um, middle of my board edge essentially and you all deployed on that edge and then as we looked at it um, I deployed all of my guys on the right hand side um, and they flapped and drummed and various different things into the middle and um, where there was kind of a big gap there's a big opening around that six inch objective that we're trying to claim which is worth most points seven seven if you can uh, get more models within that uh, objective uh, by three times so and and then as I mentioned you Boromir moved his uh, cavalry force around the edge because there was a wall and there's a hill and all that sort of stuff which I was I was thinking secretly this is this is a great uh, this is a big mistake I thought from your part because it meant that the cavalry force wasn't engaged in the middle alongside everything else but I think it worked out in the end because you had enough turns to get them around the edge and to clash in the middle and and sort of surround my force and take away the advantage of my pikes and things like that Absolutely, that's the way it did turn out, thankfully. Um, I am a very green player. Um, I've found that sometimes I, I try and do these grand movements that don't really work out, but I felt like with the movement of the cav, they can do it quickly enough. I can hide behind, a like, behind the building like a coward from your uh, from your uh, ring wraith that can cast spells on Boromir and things, um, and, and give the infantry a time to advance 
get the bows on the hill to try and take some shots. So it, it did work out eventually in the end um, for, on that one. Yeah, yeah and, and Kamal, you mentioned Kamal, uh, his magic was just diabolical. Uh, his charge rolls, uh, sorry, his, his wound rolls were pretty diabolical as well. Um, there was a particularly... Uh, I don't know what to call it. It's an annoying moment <laughs> where I charged uh, uh, charged uh, two rangers, I think, um, and rolled three dice and got three sixes in my roll for the combat. But the wound rolls were were, were the exact opposite, <laughs> yin and yang. We went for three ones, so uh, I think it happened to the best of us, unfortunately. Yeah, and that was frustrating. I think that's that was pretty much Kamal for the whole game. I spent four dice on the transfixed. I couldn't get that one off. I spent more dice on the transfix earlier on and couldn't get that off. And so Kamal was a disaster for most of the game. Um, he, he remains alive because um, I think you might have made a bit of a miscalculation. You, you tried to kill his, um, his fell beast, um, which, which is a wise move to try and get him off the board. But the, the, there was a big moment where you had Irilas and a load of fountain court and all that sort of stuff in, uh, in the middle there. And I think it was about six or seven models with Irilas as well. And um, you rolled quite a lot of sixes. To, you took the um, thing off the board, but you only need sixes by fours to kill Kamul completely. Yeah, I think yeah. that might have been a misstep. I mean, you won the game in the end. I mean, we've kind of alluded to it already. But um, that, I think that might have been a small mistake. Would you think? I would agree. Um, my thinking at the time was that um, if I try and get the six, I might not get enough sixes, but I might be able to uh, to bring down the beast. So I went with the beast and, and things like that. Um, we then obviously the hope to pounce on it, but you came in the very next round with a very important um, movement from yeah. Am- Amdol, is he called? Amdol, yeah. Amdol. Uh, and uh, he came in, he, would, he was then able to um, get your wraith back up on his feet because he had rolled his uh, one on the fallen riders. So yeah, another, of course he did, yeah. Another excellent move from him there. So he was back on his feet, he was able to retreat a little bit and your boys came in and supported him so it was a misstep in the end but yeah um, but but ultimately um the there was enough time this was the first turn um, i'd broken um and we timed out so the this was the end game so the last final turn was was just me trying desperately uh against the pressing advances of all the minister of warriors to force you off the objective or to get enough of my guys in the middle to maybe just about uh, squeeze a victory and i got amda pulled off a heroic combat and things like that to try and get that move and, and try and take a, a couple of extra guys off the objective i managed to fence boromir off as well because the heroic move um just just kept him out and a couple of warriors in the right positions um prevented him from getting in but ultimately um i think it was you had eight or nine models uh, no sorry you had um i had seven and you had 13 or, or was it eight i had eight and you had 14 um models in the in the middle so you just just shy of the double yeah yeah just the double and you broke me so um that's a, that's a kind of reflection of the game i think um, if i got the doubling and the more points for the victory i think it wouldn't reflect the the closeness of this game to mm. be fair yeah I, well i think you played it um, really well there were, there were lots of things that i thought Oh, you might have given me an opening there, but I think you, you, you clearly had a long game in plan, whereas I was thinking more in the short term, thinking, right, OK, if I get here and I kill those things. Um, and, you know, a couple of things, other things that had gone my way, if, if they had, you know, if I'd have transfixed Boromir at the right moment and maybe if I'd got my Kamul and hurled someone, someone or thing, things like that, that might have all uh, helped me out. But I think ultimately it all came pretty much down to losing that first war band of seven or eight models uh, and, and then struggling to keep up after that with the might the magic everything else it was just the worst luck to have especially when i had my drill so i already had the advantage yeah. in maelstrom um, it was just the worst luck to start the game um, but i got him back I got him. <laughs> yeah you did get him back you you got rid of him and i think that was such a huge part of the game being able to show me that you can advance forward and then retreat with those players and wipe out a good hero so uh, yeah yeah, yeah. amdo did a, a smart move he launched into some um 
some Rangers, uh, heroic combat through them and into Madrill and, and took, took him off the board, kept the might, uh, and then uh, the next turn pulled them, pulled them back out and retreated, which I think was quite a, a crucial, and I, I was quite proud of that move, but alas, it wasn't quite enough. Although I was already one hero down, um, it was too late to claim that one hero down. And with someone like Boromir kicking around with six might, um, I'm always going to be a little, uh, little low on the might front. But either way, Andrew, it was a fascinating game. Uh, well done, uh, a 6-0 victory, which means you'll be heading on up to the top tables where I'm, I'm heading back down to where I belong. Fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed the game. Thank you very much, Harry, and uh, look forward to playing you again sometime. Cheers, very much. Cheers. Game number five of the Scouring of Cheshire and uh, playing Breakthrough against Tom Parkin of Tabletop Ramblings on YouTube. And I know uh, you do lots of different uh, sort of battle reports and all these bits of gubbins. Um, first of all, um, tell me a little bit about your army. Uh, what, is, what is your build? Uh, I've gone for a fairly generic Mordor. It's Black Numenorians backed up by Moranans with Spear and Shield. Uh, I've got the Witch King with um, most of his stuff, three will, 18, no, three might, 18 will, three fate with a crown on a fell beast. And then Gorbag and Grishnak with shields just to call her out moves yeah. and try not to die. And try not to die, yeah, absolutely. And, and when you saw... A, well, I mean, we're going to have to talk about the terrain a bit. But first, when you saw the um, the setup, the Eastlings over the table, I have my fell beast. Uh, you have yours. Uh, what what did you think? Did you fancy your chances? Uh, terrified. The only the only things that tend to abuse me that badly are things that can hurl, like enemy fell beasts. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I did try a few tricksy fell beast things. But um, uh, and we'll talk about the first initial combats, um, which I think pretty much decided the game. Um, but first this terrain it's an absolute nightmare board to play on it looks fantastic it's like a, a ruined yeah. dale city and there's lots of buildings everywhere there's a big wall on one side of the map which blocks off one of the terrain uh, one of the objectives um there's there's snow covered buildings there's steps there's there's tight ish corridors and the all on different levels with lots of drop downs it's a really fascinating board to play on but my god was it a nightmare <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was very difficult trying to balance things on steps and little choke points, and yeah, it was it was a really, it's a beautiful map, but uh, but a bit difficult. We had to fudge where the objectives went a little bit and that kind of thing. Yeah, because this is the one breakthrough is the one where you have uh, one sort of it's like a square, a diamond formation basically of one on each the centre of each person's uh, half, and then two on the middle line and sort of halfway along uh, the map as well so they, the buildings in the way and being on rooftops and all this sort of stuff made it, it, it made it a little bit awkward but it does make for an interesting game because there were as you mentioned choke points and stairs and barriers and all those sorts of things but the the initial move uh, first turn once we sort of moved around and shimmied around a bit um, was basically you decided fuck this I'm getting stuck in <laughs> yeah I've, I've played a few timid games so far today so I thought I'm just gonna go for it um, and then instantly regretted it because I forgot that compel was a thing, and then he compelled my banner, ready for a hurling to the Witch King, and I already foresaw a horrendous <laughs> end yeah. on turn one. <laughs> it was it was I, I, it was basically a handing me a, a, an opportunity, yeah. I saw, and I, I saw the glee in your eyes when when you'd move <laughs> when you moved the the because you'd moved the Witch King into um, a flank of two acolytes, which looked very tasty defence four acolytes you know they had four attacks uh, between them so I thought you never know you might even uh, ruin uh, you know get not get a six or something but crucially 
I hopped Kamal over onto, uh, as you mentioned, the banner and compelled him into position so that he could uh, he could be hurled into the Witch King's combat, knock him off his fell beast, and you know, mean that he can't strike that turn, and just all sorts of glorious things would happen. Call the heroic combat to do it, and you obviously you were wise to it, which was crucial. Yeah, as, as soon as you compelled the banner, uh, I saw the mistake, so I, I called it a heroic combat as well, um, and prayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it went your way, so you managed to get the acolytes, jump out of the way, tear some more uh, Easterlings, a new one, and then from then on, I was kind of playing a defensive game almost. I, I'd realised that that was kind of my, my opportunity, and you then put the Witch King in a, a spot where he, he then lined up his own perfect hurl, which, because of your Numenorean frontline, I decided I'm not going to charge this turn, because otherwise I'll hit you in piecemeal and you'll trap me and you'll... you'll fill around so I decided to hold the line um, and I thought that was a really strong sensible idea because then you know I, I get either you hit me or I don't don't get hit and there was some terrain to protect my flanks and stuff uh, instead it just meant a witch king lined up with my perfectly beautiful <laughs> line of warriors and hurled the way down and just completely disrupted everything yeah he um, he took Amador off his horse which as much as he, he then stood straight back up with his magic rule it just meant he couldn't really kill and I don't I don't know if he killed anything until right at the end yeah he killed like one model or two models and you you immobilize him once or twice I think and I didn't resist it and then you try to hurl again and all these sorts of things and there was a bit of a sort of contest we had a bit of a sort of debate about whether whether the witch king could line up a hurl in the right position and and this is the thing with with hurls on a map where it's all wobbly I I wasn't sure whether you could actually get him and you you thought maybe we could but but we we sort of worked through it it's fine yeah, we just sort of figured if if it's up for debate, we'll just go with whatever is is going to impact the least, and yeah. then um, and then there's kind of nobody nobody thinks they've they've been robbed. I don't, and, and don't, yeah. to be honest, even if it had hurled into Amdo, Amdo wasn't doing much, as he said. He killed Grishnak, but Grishnak wasn't worth a point, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I, the game was I, I I honestly found the game very very difficult because. I found it really difficult to uh, play because there was so much to think about. Like, there's your magic, uh, there's your your hurls, and you were really playing for that, and then there's the terror, and then you'd killed my um, uh, war priest, and so, so I just found, and, and you know, this we're getting tired after the, this is the penultimate game of the tournament, so it was an exhausting game, and you made it really hard for me, in, in, a, in a fun way, because it's like you're, you're really making me work for the win, and I didn't get the win. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a brain teaser. Um, you, you were also looked out on deployment because I managed to get just over the other side of the wall where the objective was. Mm. One tracker. You th- there was that moment where you debated whether to go over, but it would have taken too many turns, and so it was it was it was difficult. Yeah, when I say a wall, I mean like a massive wall. This isn't this isn't like a little uh, little fence type wall. This is Helm's Deep wall. I think in fact the middle of it is the Helm's Deep model. So I couldn't see the tracker, so I'd have to jump over the wall. Either compel him into me and spend will, or wait the next turn and then charge him and then probably not kill him because I I spaff all my rolls with uh, Kamal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I'd, I'd killed the banner, tried to build, kill a banner three or four times. Kamal just kept bouncing against stuff, and he's always, always annoying for me because I think the three dice on the charge is just not enough for him. But anyway, uh, quite apart from that, you 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 deployed better than me ultimately. I, I think I deployed poorly. Uh, I was sort of on two different lay- levels with. Not enough places, and, and that, that cost me the game because I didn't get the objective, as you say. Um, the drummer probably could have just 
launched himself off around the corner at some point because he just stood around waiting to be killed. So, um, yeah, I think you played, you just outplayed me, if I'm completely honest. And, and well done for it. Other than that initial mistake that, that you, I think you won on a 50-50, yeah. You didn't make any more mistakes after that because I think you you were suddenly like oh I need to think and I was like oh no <laughs> yeah it, it it really did come down to that although bizarrely then after the fifty fifty Kamal still botched it and didn't manage to kill the uh, the banner that he was going to hurling it yeah. was it was uh, was sort of a, a mistake and then bad dice and it was a very bizarre first turn yeah it was <laughs> it was a strange one but either way uh, Tom it was. Well, well played, completely well played, and I, I just didn't have. I, th- I think, to be fair to myself, I don't think the matchup's ideal. Uh, you've got the defence six front line that I'm trying to wound on sixes, and you've got the terror as well. And I did have, I could have done the fury, but uh, you killed my priest too quickly, so I didn't didn't have a chance to actually use that. So um, I, I felt, and you had the strength four as well on the Moranans, so it's just a very optimised list yeah. to, to come up against. Yeah, the the the, the spread of the board, you you had to focus somewhere. And, and that kind of that that hurt it and not getting what you needed out of Kamal as well the the witch king when he, when he managed to escape from Kamal was uh, was able to just abuse stuff really and there was no comeback from that yeah your your fell beast did the work mine didn't and your troops did the work and mine didn't and yeah. and you played it better and I didn't and that that kind of sums it up it's a 10-0 victory to you but but I don't know I think I think you did you did as much as you could and and it was yeah it was a very very fun game yeah, well, Tom, thank you very much for the game. Thanks yeah, for talking to thank me Thank you. Cheers. So we're on f- the final game of the Scaring of Cheshire, game number six, and we're playing Rowan May, an increasingly uh, regular voice here on the podcast. Hello. 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 And so first of all, um, we have an incredible board that we're playing on here. Um, this is a Lake Town board. There's lots of, lots of channels and lots of wooden um, panelling on the board, and there's ice flows and all these sorts of things. Lots of jump tests. Very exciting. We had lots of fun with that. And we were playing... I actually don't know the name of the scenario. What was it called? You put me on the spot here, Harry. It's it's got three objectives, uh, and what is it called? Breakthrough? No, we've already done breakthrough. Uh, this divide is and conquer. Divide and divide conquer. And yes, because yeah. we started the board uh, with half of our warbands uh, in each corner. Having said that, you started in one corner because yours is one army. Tell me what you've got. I have brought the Vanquishers Legendary Legion. Um, I after the Battle of a Number Tears, um, which I finished second and I decided I'd take it easy this weekend and just have a chill uh, fun time. And so I, you bought the most busted legendary legion that's ever been released in the game? Yeah I didn't realise <laughs> that when I submitted my list I thought I've wanted to do an all hero army for a while and I enjoy using magic and this came along and I thought perfect I'll just have some fun with it yeah. um, and then I got here and realised I'm one of the most hated players in the, in the room <laughs> along with uh, I think Ed Ball took it as well and he's done very well with it. Yeah, there were, there were three um, vanquishers of the um, uh, Necromancer in, in the tournament. And at the cu- current standing, I believe one of them is somewhere on the top tables, I think, uh, in the top sort of three. Uh, there was a point at which, uh, I think yesterday, all three of you were on three wins and zero losses. Um, so you've got Radagast, you've got Galadriel, you've got Elrond and Saruman, and Radagast has the sleigh. This is built for 700 points, this legion, essentially. And for people who haven't encountered it, there's an endless number of rules um, to, to accompany it. But essentially, it inc- increases the attacks of the wizards, makes them all nigh on impossible to cast magic against, and makes them all really good in combat. Um, so did, did, you, did you have any idea of how well you were doing this scenario, considering you've got a very small number of models and there's three objectives to grab. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where uh, I've been talking to another guy who writes blog posts from Australia, Sharby, beforehand, 
Uh, it's something we've been discussing for the objective scenarios that because you have um, a command, a transfix, a sorcerer's blast, and a banish with Galadriel, you still have a lot of map control even towards the end of the game. So it's it's optimistic that. Yeah, carry on. If, if you can control sort of when exactly when it's going to end, you can hopefully manipulate enough stuff, and you can normally break them and kill the leader. That I was optimistic for this scenario with this matchup because I didn't think you had a huge amount to counter the magic, unfortunately for you. Yeah, very little, very little. Yeah, very little counter in terms of magic. Steve, uh, the t tournament organizer, I'm going to chat to in a minute. He's he's getting on my nerves because he keeps interrupting deliberately while we're recording the podcast. But uh, yeah, I have very little, very little to um, uh, to counter. The only real counter I have is uh, a fell beast with twelve will, um, which. I mean, I kind of thought, I, I, I didn't really know how to counter the, your, your thing. I, all I figured was, if I can get into the middle and, um, and maybe, maybe pull off some success with um, Kamal in combat, I might have a chance of quickly killing um, Radagast, was my aim. Because um, he was on the sleigh, you had a big base, uh, you tried to do the Nature's Wrath, uh, or the whatever the other one is, and then... Um, and I, I saw the base, I saw the range, I thought, right, I can hurl that base through your guys, knock him off the uh, thing, and then maybe I'll have a better chance of winning. As it turned out, I probably shouldn't have uh, done that, because I, I ended up killing Kamul in the second turn or something, he was out of will, and then it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of just a slow slog of you churning through guys. Maybe, maybe if I'd have sent fewer guys into the middle, allowed myself to and worked out the maths of exactly how many guys to send in the middle to break myself, um, then maybe I'd have had a better chance. What do you think? I, I think you would have been hard-pressed, especially with the board where the middle objective was fairly easy for me to defend and kind of make sure you didn't have more models. That I think the maths was that even... Because it, it ended up you had both the side um, objectives. I didn't contest those at all, but that only gave you four VP and the central one's worth four, but I then killed leader and broken. Mm. So even with you having the side objectives, you still had to just storm the middle to try, which is what you did. Yeah. And it's just there isn't that much counterplay against this list because if you move first, you charge in, I can still cast magic in combat, knock you all prone. And if I go first, I can tie you up and put banishments on your leaders and do lots of damage. So... You lose either way, I think, if you don't have really good resistance to magic or loads of other tricks you can use. Yeah, and I think that is the issue. It's just, just there's, there's very little counter. I mean, you can do the, the banish against the models, uh, individual models who get uh, one dice resist, basically a free resistance to magic. But even then, I mean, more often than not, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm losing, losing a guy or two a turn with a sorceress blast and a banish, and then you're making everyone else sit down all the time, which is really depressing. And I, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't not enjoy the game. I actually found it quite interesting. But my God, is it just a completely busted legion? There's no, there's, there's very little I could do to counter it. And I mean, I, I know that there are some arguments that some, um, uh, some uh, uh, other armies are equally broken. I don't know. The, the, you mentioned the, uh, the legendary legion with the all of the ring rays. Yeah, the nine. And um, then that, that, that is equally irritating in some ways and, and you know some people say things like the watcher in the water or whatever are a bit frustrating that would certainly be interesting on this board with all the water but I don't know I, do, I, I, I can't decide whether it's completely broken because after all you, you've not won all your games with it no I've had I've had some tough matchups and scenarios but it's the sort of list I think and, and why we're saying it's frustrating is you either know you're going to win or you know you're going to lose and that takes the fun out of the game because if from the start of the game you kind of have a good idea of how it's going to go there's something not quite right there if you can't play against it 
So the scenarios I lost are either against someone like Glorfindel who had fortified spirit and, and loads of high courage on the elves to charge in, or it was a whole ground where two hours wasn't enough time to kill all their models, um, or it was against David Farmer on ta table one who pulled off a, a fantastic job in tabling the army in two turns. But the other games haven't really put up a fight and they've been not quite auto wins, but not far off. And I, it, yeah, I kind of feel bad bringing them because it kind of sucks my opponents that there isn't that counterplay. So yeah. I think they'll be going back in the cupboard. And you robbed it. You robbed me of the chance of winning uh, three games and drawing one. So I'm still not on the positive win-loss ratio with my Easterlings, which which means I guess they have to come back at some point. So uh, I guess you've done that. It means I have to play more Easterlings. Um, but uh, Rowan, either way, it was it was a well-played game. You knew exactly how to to do the things that you you need to do. Although a couple of times you made a little slight errors, but I mean the, the, the strength of the magic and the, the models uh, won it out in the end. And I think no one was wounded. Uh, Saruman took a fate point once. Rad Radagast took one fate point once, and you burnt most of your might uh, on them. And I'm completely dead, apart from three models on one objective, two models on another, and one acolyte who was uh, who just jumped over a over a chasm to try and move around to capture the objective but the game ended on the first turn it could have done given given that it's the the one or two uh, ending on a one or two on this mission two more turns you've got the game yeah you'd probably be tabled in two more turns wouldn't you and it'd be a 12 nil I think so yeah it is what it is but yeah it was a fun, fun game to win the tournament on and there's just so many special rules that by game six just trying to keep track of all of them and the order should do everything optimally is it gets challenging but yeah it's been a really good weekend yeah great well well done again Rowan and so what does that put you on three four wins and a draw uh I think three wins three losses okay yeah well well done either way it's uh, it's been a cracking uh, cracking game and I've really enjoyed it great thank you so we've just finished uh, game number six. There's still eight minutes on the clock, but I thought this is about time uh, in the podcast to uh, to speak to Steve Crow, the the sort of mastermind. I think you can call it that um, behind the uh, the tournament. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, how's the tournament gone? I mean, this is your first tournament in so long because of COVID and things. Yeah, so this tournament was postponed, I think, two or three times, which was an absolute nightmare. But to be honest, being back here, having everyone in the room. It's just, it has felt amazing, and I've used a new system for scoring, which has really helped everyone put the scores in mm. uh, on the mobile phones. It's made my life really easy. All the work was done pre-event, so I've kind of had a quite a laid-back like weekend. It's been great. Yeah, you were using something called long shanks rather than uh, I know some people have used the, uh, uh, the various different systems, including the tawny and all that sort of stuff, and, and it, it's it's been pretty smooth. There's actually very few steps to the process for uh, for us players which is really nice yeah it, well because I'm based here at Element Games mostly there's a big uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol um, group here a big Malifaux group there used to be a big Guild Ball group and they've used it for a long time uh, and I've heard a lot of good things about it but Middle Earth wasn't an option on it so I thought well I'll reach out to the, to the guy who developed it um, which I did uh, we had a Zoom call, we had a chat, um, and he said, yeah, I think it can work. And he's, he pulled a few strings. It's at its most basic form no now. So I've got a few notes to send back to him. Uh, I'm going to put a post on the event page later for feedback on it. Um, and there'll be things added to it in the future, things changed to it. Uh, I'm hoping to get a voting system for most sporting on there and vest painted and things like that. So everything can be done from your mobile phone. Uh, it's been great. I, I cannot fault it. It's, it's awesome. It has been really good. It has been really good. And um, uh, moving away from this sort of tournament side of things, um, the, the scenery, uh, I mean, 
it, it's just like art. It's like literally it's an art installation here. Some of the boards are absolutely fantastic because, I mean, the, 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 you can tell the, there's some of the, the ones that have been sort of beaten and battered a bit, yeah. but some of the brand new ones, the, uh, the, um, uh, the Shire one, uh, the Roskabel one, uh, uh, there's the, the other one over there. What's that one? What is, it's it's Osgiliath. The Palmer's House from The Hobbit, which yeah. the trolls wrecked. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's nice to have them all out, and some of the boards have not been off the shelf for three years, well, longer, since the last scouring. Um, and it's nice for me to have them all out. I, I very rarely have them all out together. It's only at events. Mm. So to have them all out and see people enjoying them, there's boards here that I've not even played on. Mm. Uh, so to see people really enjoying them and the enthusiasm of, of the, you know, they come over, I've just played on that board, it was amazing, it's so good. It just spurs me on, I want to do more. The, the dream is, and I think, I think I've said this before on the last time you interviewed me at Scouring, the dream is, and, and it, we're almost there in terms of you know, the setup, is to have an event that is all custom boards and a journey from the Shire where the Fellowship of the Ring starts and ending up at Mount Doom at the end of Return of the King. Um, and you can walk along the boards and you can almost kind of picture the journey that, that the movies took you on. Um, that's the dream. And yeah, it's just really flattering that people are enjoying them. It, it's, it's one of the things I will keep doing. Uh, the next event, which is in March, which is not too far away, I'm hoping to have another three additional. Um, but yeah, it's quite cool seeing the development from my early boards to the boards now. Uh, I look at some of my early boards, like the late time board, and I cringe a little bit. But people still still enjoy playing on them. So I was just going to say that because I think I, pl- I played on this Dale board, yeah. um, which I, I guess was one of the older ones. Yeah, but yeah. and it's a fantastic board. It's I mean it's got terrain and everything. It really makes you think about your your, your games. There's yeah. traps and there's corridors of avenues that you can't get round, and and that that does make for interesting games. And I know some of the top table, like the top one or two or three. Have have sort of uh, more generic terrain to keep them keep the, the top table players happy, but but generally the boards are outstanding, and you know you can tell you put a lot of effort in, and that's always um, lovely to see. But um, I mean, it must take you hours for to do all these, right? Yeah, I mean it's a long process, um, and it, it's you know I own my own business, I've got a family, so it's it's grabbing hours here and there, but I enjoy doing it. And the beauty of it is, it is just my time. So financially, they're not cheap to make, but. But the revenue that these uh, events create is kind of recycled. It goes back big prize pool, uh, materials for the boards. And so, in essence, I'm getting to enjoy my hobby in, in every sense of the word. You know, playing the games, creating the boards, the hobby side, building things, mixing with the community, creating content, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's cost neutral in that sense because the events cover that all. So the raffle, for instance, now, which is going up, um, is going to cover... March's raffle and some of the prize pool and it's exactly the same with the boards the boards are not cheap to make there's a lot of in the newer ones 3d printed stuff um, on there so the, if the event keeps being as popular as it is I will keep creating these boards and I'll put my time into it because I enjoy doing it absolutely and and this is a, a GBHL 100 point event as well and this is a, so this is kind of a premiere event lots of top table players but you, you're moving away from that um, for the next Gary Cheshire is that right? Yeah so the one in March is non-league counting um, the simple reason is the date that was available I had to take it I didn't have time to go through the league that there is plans for a GBHL next year uh, in the latter end of the year. Um, it's not that top table events are moving away. I'm very aware of how important the league is to the community. I think it's a nice hub to have and keep everyone together. Um, but the amount of events and the things that I want to do with events, um, I don't want to monopolise the GBHL in that sense. Um, 
but but yeah, I will be returning to the league later on in the year for sure. But the, but in March it's not. It's a it's a freestanding GT, so it's got its own sort of uh, draw, if you like. And and you know, uh, people will know you as Top Table Steve or B Sime Steve or any of these things. You're you're a known entity in the in the community. I mean, uh, uh, has that sort of changed over the last year and a half? You know, COVID has sort of changed massively the way you generate content for both of those channels. Yeah, so pre-COVID, a lot of the content on, on Top Table Gaming, because B-Sign wasn't a, a thing pre-COVID, uh, was pre-recorded, edited, you know, battle reports, take home, spend a lot of hours editing, which is fun, I enjoy doing it, I, I enjoy creating that content, but COVID gave me the opportunity to explore live streaming a lot more, um, which I have actually found I far prefer. Um, from a lazy point of view, it's less effort. You do the live stream, you click stop and it's done. Um, but also the the main thing is the interaction. So when we also then started B time, we've got I've got a, I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate. I'm fully aware of how fortunate I am. I've got a great little community and support group for Top Table Gaming, and I've got a, me and Damien have got a great uh, community support group for B time. And and there are some crossover in there. A lot of the, my patrons from Top Table are patrons of B time, um, and we wouldn't be able to do what we do without it um, as you well know it's it's not the easiest thing being a content creator and being regular and you know coming up with ideas to do to keep people engaged you need prunes to keep yourself regular <laughs> very true thank you upon it upon it yeah it's great and, and covid has shown me another side to interacting uh, virtually with people which i've really enjoyed but then seeing said people all in a hall together like this weekend has just been exceptional. I was going to say, the, the reason I was linking into that, you've done some live streaming this weekend, is that right? I know it's been happening off in a different room away from the, the hustle and bustle of this room, but people can check that out and actually watch some of the videos. Yeah, so it's kind of, um, we, we used to have, we used to tap into Element Games' uh, internet uh, pre-COVID, uh, which was, we done with permission, by the way, we weren't climbing up lampposts and stealing <laughs> it. Um, but then they had a big change around in the where, where things were, uh, and we come back after COVID, and we had no internet, so everything that was happening in the studio Studio, I was doing from my phone, which is not ideal. Um, so we had no broadband, and, and the broadband was literally installed on Thursday, um, and we streamed B-Sime on Friday. So it was it is a, a very bare bones basic setup. There's a there's a camera light just offset top view down, but it streamed all the games barring game one because I, f- I forgot to press go um, <laughs> on, on top table gaming. And round two is actually on B-Sime because I forgot to change the channel that I was streaming on. <laughs> So, but it's all funny games. Uh, but yeah, they're they're on the internet. You can catch up on them. Well, there you go. Uh, we just heard the the rounds uh, calling time, so that means all the games are over. We'll find out who the winner is, and hopefully it won't be Jay, so I can actually talk to them on the podcast. And we'll find out in a few minutes' time. Cheers for talking to me, Steve. No problem. So we come now to the end of all things here at the Scouring of Cheshire and uh, we've got one winner and it's great because it's not J, J. Clare so we can actually talk to them. Uh, we've got Dave Farmer who also won, uh, won at my own tournament, uh, Lord of the Imps, uh, only a few weeks ago now. So, so you're on a bit of a run now, Dave. How do you feel? Um, well, it's obviously really exciting. I think uh, winning everything, uh, winning all the games is the only way I know how to win events, I think. Because <laughs> uh, if small, I don't... I'm not so great at min-maxing my victory points, especially when you start off getting 12s and then you start matching into really difficult 
and you have to win everything 1-0 so if you then don't manage to make it at the end you're off the podium so if you want to win you got to win everything and and that's know. what you've done. You won all your games. I'm literally wearing the scarf from. Oh yes, so you are. This is the one of the, the prizes you got at uh, Imps. And um, so, I, I, talk me through it because I know you've had a pretty rough deal of it playing against the uh, Vanquishers of the Necromancer. Not once, not twice, but three times. Is that really right? Yes. In and a you row. won three times. Yes, in a row. So everyone. So, yeah. Tell me your list first of all, because <laughs> otherwise we'll have no context uh, for what you, what was going on. So, yeah. So I took the Witch King. Uh, Shagrat allied to so Mordor allied with Isengard so I had Lurts and I took 14 Moranans uh, with shields uh, 8 no sorry more than that 20 Moranans with shield 14 of them have spears uh, a banner in there as well 10 trackers to match them out and then Lurts was bringing along 4 berserkers a warg rider with no, no, no toys and uh, 2 Urukai, just warriors with shields 40 models 9 might it was I basically was hoping to use Lurts as a I don't know like the courage is good I wasn't running any uh, shamans or anything like that so the courage 7 on the berserkers was super duper clutch a lot of times and it meant that I was able to you know have the courage important objectives I wanted another I needed a marcher and I didn't want to take a a sucker I wanted to have another effective hero and thanks Steve and uh, and another striker as well so they all can strike they're all pretty decent in combat the witch king was on horse with the crown uh Mogul Blade, which I was useless, so I wouldn't take that again. Uh, three Might, 13 Will, 2 Fate. Um, so quite low on Will. Yeah, low on Will, but I figured he's not really a... He's not going to be a combat beater. He's only going to jump in if I need him. And he's going to stand there throwing, uh, throwing one dice transfixes at people and re-rolling them and hopefully getting them. And it worked out pretty nicely. So... I mean, obviously we can't go play by play over yeah. three Vanquishers and Necromancer things but I yeah. want to talk a bit about them because I, I've just um, ha- had a game against them uh, with Rowan who I know you beat yes. um, and I, I, I lost 8-4 and I found it very difficult to have the tools or kind of just to approach it because there are so many special rules there's so many different negative things like the courage and the, the magic in combat and uh, the extra attacks that the wizards get and how did you find playing against them three times and what, what's your recipe for success well after the first time was seized the prize I uh, got fortunate that my opponent made a mistake in positioning and I was able to kill Radagast for free essentially without spending anything other than a, a might point on Shagrat who then got it back um, but uh, so I was able to max my victory points in that one um, but uh, against in the following games between that game and the third one I was complaining to a couple of the rules writers who mentioned that Heroic Resolve had been super effective against them or not super effective but good against them uh, and I checked and the Witch King's got it and I'd never used it at all in my life before then but in the, sec- the, the, the second game I played against them in Contest of Champions it ended up being super clutch because the Witch King they have to stop him because he's the, he's the leader but uh, with the Resolve on and the rerolls to, to stuff he was quite uh, spongy they weren't, none of the spells were sticking he resisted three a turn two turns and that it only lasted two turns because I tabled him um, wow yeah <laughs> yeah. so so, so tool, tool number one resolve yep. tool number two I guess having big hitty heroes that you can jump into combat straight away the big thing is they're defence five and they're on foot and Shagrat is actually very good at that I mean if you get an uninterrupted charge on uh, Galadriel for example without her striking above you and what have you if you manage to transfix her which is difficult but not impossible I managed it once um, you'd kill her in one turn mm. and versus Rowan I char- in contest I had a correct strike in combat and the Lurts and Shagrat uh, set up Shagrat to kill both of them got all his might back right. and in fact Shagrat actually killed all the White Council in that, t- in that, that game which 
There's a few notches on the belt. But, um, but I suppose, crucially, there, you have the Witch King doing the transfixes. Uh, yeah, the Witch King was able to absorb all of their spell casting so that my two smaller heroes were able to do it. And actually, that game, the big one, was Elrond failing to, failing to resist a transfix, which meant he couldn't strike, which meant I could set up my... You know, the dominoes would fall after that and I could just surround him. And it still came really close. If Saruman had got even a single kill, I'd have been in a losing position. But so it was Contest of Champions. Yeah, Contest of Champions, exactly. So, I, I mean, it, incredibly difficult. I mean, but generally, you know, you, you've, yes, you've played three and, and won three. Do, what do you think to the list? Is it is it... Is it as busted as people seem to be saying? I, I certainly feel like it's. I, my army had nothing to do against it, and I know a lot of others are feeling that way too. Yeah, it's it's nasty. It's really nasty. I, it doesn't give you a great play experience. It feels good to beat it, of course, but um, yeah, it's it comes down to a lot of very sweaty moments. A lot of your heroes doing nothing, and all your guys getting knocked over by nature's wraths, and it's not enjoyable for me. I, I think it's not as good as I thought it was, maybe, but then you sort of you can't really see how to beat it until you play it, was my feeling. Like you look at it on the table, you think that's insane. Mm. You see the results of other games and you can't think of it. But having played it, it's it's very strong. I wouldn't be surprised if you see it winning events. Um, but it is uh, there are it has flaws. I mean Hold Ground, for example, the reason I won was because the game ended the first turn it could, and I had too many guys on the objectives. And Ed couldn't get on there. Even if he had, I had more than eight guys on the objectives. It was still going to be a draw, even if he'd got some people on. So, you know, it's not it's not possible. He's only got four models. That's a decent scenario. He didn't manage to stop me from getting to the middle. And then I, the, when the game was going to end, it did end. And that was it. One more turn, I definitely, definitely lose. And, you know, any more than that is just, you know child's play yeah, yeah it's a uh, tabling you so i mean that fascinating though and and this is a, a one of the most competitive uh, tournaments of the year 100 points goes to the winner for the league which is a big deal uh, and um and of course this actually puts you in a position to p- potentially be able to win win the league or, or if if you if the dominoes fall in the right order um what what do you think about the prospect of a that happening and b facing more of these uh, horrible necromancer legions on the way to the to the top of the podium well the, the last two tournaments are both good versus evil tournaments and that will make a difference because it means that I don't have to think about what will happen when my good army faces it for a start so that's good and the points levels I'll have to look at it but I don't think um, I don't think 555 which is the level the next tournament I'm going to is going to allow for it to be super strong but I'll have to look it might be it might be possible mm-hmm. um so I'm thinking that would yeah. you'd be 70 points or something under uh, Maybe, if you had yeah. Elrond Galadriel and uh, whoever else is Saruman, yeah, mandatory. Um, yeah, you'd be on like 470, but I honestly think I'd probably take the, the Slay over Elrond. I'm not sure, though. That's a debate. I think that's actually not super obvious, but I don't know. I, I think Evil can do more. Three models, they're still really powerful. I still, I think I might take something similar, just size down, maybe drop out the drop out the Lurts contingent, make it a pure Mordor, but... Having seen how he performed, I don't really know. He's, he's really good. Yeah. So there we go. That was the run of the tournament, pretty much. Uh, Dave Farmer uh, becoming the victor there. Uh, playing three games against the Vanquishers of the Necromancer. And I, I don't really do kind of meta watch um, on this podcast or or even really uh, update you on um, you know when tournament uh, when stuff is released. I mean, yeah, I, I sort of talk about it in passing. But um, I, I think it's worth pointing out that they, this 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 Vanquishers army 
um, it's it's a force to behold. I mean, you heard my chat with Rowan there. Um, it was a very hard game to play. I, I found it really, really difficult to sort of come up with anything. I, I kind of went in with a bit of a defeatist attitude, I think. Um, and and to be fair, I did get absolutely smushed. Um, but it's it's strange. Um, you know, you heard there from Dave. He he did manage to beat the um, Vanquishers three times. Um, and uh, he did put it down, to be fair, on one of those those um, things to uh, a, a roll-off, essentially, if the game had uh, ended um, against Ed Ball um, by one turn or something, then it would have swung it completely the other way. But still, you know, it shows that it's not impossible to win um, against the uh, Vanquishers and Necromancer. But then I suppose um, it was very new this, this time round, and maybe those players... Um, after a tournament's worth of experience behind them might be able to do a bit better or not but who knows um i i I, without getting too bogged down in the details i don't think it's a particularly um pleasant army to play against but then there are plenty of armies that i I don't like playing against don't like playing against smaug um so i don't really like the idea that it's um you know it's going to be at the top tails and winning tournaments a lot but we'll see. It's too early, I think, to say. But I do think, on the face of it, um, based on my experiences with it, I've played another game against it um, before now. Um, both times it was just next to impossible to win. Um, maybe if you had a, a, a list that was tailored towards beating it, like Ents or Lothlorien or, or whatever, with a bit of resistance to magic or whatever it is, um, then maybe it's possible. But there's just so many special rules um, that that you can't really, uh, you know, counter much of it and even get a chance to wound um, the leader or, or do anything, get it close. So, I don't know, maybe maybe it'll change things. Maybe the meta will just slightly adapt around it. But either way, it's an interesting one to watch um, uh, as we go forward into the next sort of uh, couple of weeks of uh, tournaments. I know there's a few big ones coming up on the horizon. Uh, if you're competing in the league, um, the GBHL, then there's a 100-point um, event down in um, Reading called War, um, which is a big one and um, that one is uh, only a small armies though 555 points i think it is so interesting uh, to see whether the necromancer will crop up there or the vanquishers um i don't think it's a particularly ideal points value for them i can't remember the exact costs but either way that's interesting and then we've got the um sterling event up in scotland which sadly i can't go to anymore i was really looking forward to going that but um, I just double booked and I can't justify going up to Scotland and spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds um, when I could be uh, doing uh, an event that, that I sort of committed to for work anyway. So uh, sad times, um, but I, I'd, I'd look forward to going back to Scotland at some point. Either way, that's a big one. It's the league finale um, where, you know, there are lots of points run off of and potential podiums in position and um, and it's good versus evil as well. So there's an added element for those um, those the sort of players that are playing up against, are they going to come up against a Vanquisher and all that sort of stuff. Either way, it's all very fascinating. Um, I, I, I'm not particularly fussed. I'm gearing up towards playing at um, the uh, Throne of Schools event. Um, it's not called Throne of Schools anymore for some reason, but either way, it's a thousand points and it's at um, Warhammer World in Nottingham. Um, it's it's very exciting and uh, followers of my YouTube channel will remember vaguely that um, I started a challenge earlier in the year to build a, a hundred and something ruffians uh, ready to do it and I've only got a couple more weeks left um, as I record this and I've got about 30 um, ruffians ready to paint um, lots of uh, great great supporters and watchers of the YouTube channel have contributed um, ruffians to the cause I'm painting them and we'll put them on the table uh, and take them to throne of schools and hopefully uh, take them to glory or at least get a spoon and um, either way uh, we hopefully we'll hear about it on the podcast i'm not sure about the rules in warhammer world but we'll see um other than that that's pretty much everything so um the easterlings will return at some point 
hopefully um and hopefully i'll get to another event before the end of the year other than throne of schools um but in the meantime, if you're enjoying the Eastling content, head over to Battle Games in Middle Earth, my YouTube channel. There's loads of stuff there. There's just so much uh, Eastling content that I've just dropped in the last few weeks, um, including a battle report, which um, uh, which is uh, I've put a lot of effort into making it look actually nice. You know how um, uh, rather than the old GBHL um, battle report styles where there's sort of lots of shaky cam, that I tried to make it as good as possible with a decent camera and all that sort of stuff. Um, so do give a, have a look, Battle Games in Middle Earth, search for Eastlings versus Rohan battle report on youtube and you should get it um and if you like this or uh, if you like the youtube content consider being a patron um i've got a lot of patron supporters now um uh, it's amazing to think how many people are supporting and i do giveaways and i've got something exciting planned for christmas i'm going to be doing a few giveaways over the course of christmas rather than just the, the usual sort of sort of monthly uh, giveaway that I do when there's a new release I usually do a giveaway with it um but this time I'm not doing that um because I think the next release is the big Amon uh, Hen statue and I'm sorry but I'm not spending 150 pounds and giving that away as much as that is an awesome looking thing uh, I'd imagine that's how much it costs anyway um I will be doing however multiple giveaways over the course of uh November uh, sorry uh, December so if you want to join and get involved in that before I announce it anywhere else Get involved, patreon.com slash battlegames in Middle Earth, and you'll be in for a shot. Um, so there we go. Um, thanks very much for listening. I will return with Easterlings. I will make them win. I'm not hugely disappointed by the fact that I got, what was it, two wins and a draw? Is that right? No, was it one win and a draw? I can't, no, two wins and a draw. Is that right? I can't remember. I, I can't even remember. It just shows how um, I'm recording this, obviously, after the uh, event. And it just shows how important it feels at the time and how little I care now. <laughs> so um, either way, I, I do want to do well with them. And I really did enjoy uh, some of those games. Some of them were very hard. Um, the game against Rowan's Vanquishers was very difficult. And the game against Thomas um, was just so much thinking involved. And um, I felt... Uh, I felt like not top of my form again um, on the the afternoon. I think I'm I'm lagging on these events, um, and I think it seems to be the first one after lunch or something on a uh, on a tournament um, on a Sunday afternoon that where I feel a bit sort of cranky. Um, so I I've really particularly struggled against Thomas's um, Witch King and Black Numenor in front line and all that sort of stuff. Uh, made some silly errors and um, you know didn't capitalize on the the failures uh, or sort of the miscalculations that Tom himself made. So. Um, that was a really hard game, but I just show it just shows when I'm when my brain is really in overdrive. Um, I I really really it really dry <laughs> tires me out. So, um, but either way, it was a really great tournament. Really enjoyed it. Uh, the boards were absolutely fantastic. Um, I know I mentioned in the interview with Steve, um, but yeah, it was a great weekend, and um, I really enjoyed my car buddies Tim and Nathan, uh, who we went up together from Lincolnshire um, after. Uh, starting uh, yeah, after starting a kind of little community here in Lincolnshire, we've got a little carpool which, which is going really well. So that's exciting. Um, anyway, that's it. That's enough. I've waffled on along uh, too long in this final bit. Uh, thanks very much for listening. I will return. Ooh, I run.